You are listening to Playback, a Variety podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. Some that are better than others. I mean, well, the, I mean, films in general. I'll do films in oh, general. So, um, you should get a subscription to Filmstruck because they're they're all on Filmstruck. Yeah, but I don't know if I can watch that at home. I mean, in Ireland, they change the. Oh, you just wanted to. You guys go for it. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So I, might, I might come back in a bit. Although I think okay. it's going to be in the UK. So cool. I've got Good. My first year subscription. Dan's going to grab a couple of quick okay. shots. It, it Love a deal. Look like we're chatting or something. Okay, so, yeah. so I says to the guy, you know, <laughs> listen, that's my pastrami sandwich. Are I hear you. Being you. James Cagney, yeah, you sound very old. Hey, hey, how's it going? And so I a- says to the guy. <laughs> so I says to the guy. Yeah. I just like the Governor's Awards. Oh, it's nice. It You've was both fun. been before, right? I'd only been once yeah, before. Okay. Like well, the year before, actually. It's a good evening. So, it's a good evening. Honor some legends. I always get really emotional during the speeches. Like, I don't think I will be, and then every time it catches me off guard. Yeah. Who, like who got you this people. time? Well, when Agnes got up. It was, Agnes and got then, up. Oh, sure. And then her and Angelina Jolie started to dance, dance. for, like, so long. Yeah. And it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, I got emotional. Yeah. I got emotional. This is something about, like, people who, in one way or another, like, <laughs> given themselves Pushing. to cinema and done it with a full heart. Yeah. I just think, like, wow, life well spent. Also, the nice thing about the honorary awards is that it sort of represents an entire career. As yeah, opposed exactly. To one job, you know? Yeah, totally. Because yeah. I think sometimes people will say as well that, like, they'll get nominated for things that they didn't expect to get nominated yeah, for, yeah, or they yeah, weren't yeah, just, yeah. like, connected to or whatever. So it's quite nice that it's her yeah. whole body of work. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, because any given thing, what gets attention or doesn't, mm-hmm. feels like such a crapshoot yeah. in terms of like, but it doesn't feel like, um, and sometimes things get overlooked in the moment that later people go back and say, oh, that one. That was, was actually great. Yeah. And then also when that person, if they win, when they get up and make their speech, it's suddenly like, I have to thank everyone ever. Whereas really, right. if it's for one film, I think you should do a Tatum O'Neill and just thank like your director and... Maybe a few of the actors or something like that. I just thought she was so great. She got up and she was like, I want to thank my director and my father. Thank you. And I was like, that's I'm the out. way to do it. You know? Now, would, you, would you really do that if it was your turn? You'd, you'd, you'd have to just... I... You say that now. You have to thank Ireland. I have to thank Ireland. I mean, really, I would thank, like, the director if the director had really helped me. <laughs> if she wins oh, anything, I'm omitted. Oh, I, guess, I guess we'll know. <laughs> we'll know if she was really there. And, I, and my mom. You gotta think. You always gotta thank your mom. You gotta think. But your like, mom. no. But honestly, it's not even just. I know everyone. I know everyone. Not does, just but like, she's my your mom. my mom. My mom goes above and beyond. Yeah. To help me, she really does, and she al- are we recording? We it, are. By the way? Oh, um, here we go. She also. <laughs> by the way, everybody, we got Greta Christ. Gerwig and Saoirse Ronan here. The new film is Lady Bird, which you should all go see. And we were just talking about the Governor's Awards, and now Saoirse is talking about her wonderful mother. I am, and yeah, I think what's great about her is that like she had gone through a lot of it 
of a lot of the madness with my dad because he's an actor too. So she's not one of those parents that like, which I think could also be lovely too, but she, it's not like she has no idea what's going on. Like she right. sort of understands this whole thing as much as me because mm-hmm. she was learning about all of this at the same time as me. Right. So don't be distracted by me. I'm just breaking out my, I love my official questions. Laptop That's a leather case. You like that? Yeah. Like you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't know what I have on me. Yeah. I like, well, that sounds like I'm a ne'er do well. Um. Yeah, it's quite a fancy case. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> have you started it's saying quite by being case. around? Uh, quite a fancy Saoirse. case. What? Have you started have saying quite by being around Sersha or something? Is that a? I think I said quite before Sersha. Okay, but I think yeah, I right. did you got, it. You, you got the quite early. I think I did it as an affectation before it was cool that I was taking off of another person from the UK. Okay. I, Why do people not say quite over here? Not in the same, not, like that. not with the same frequency yeah. as mm-hmm. I think people who are from the aisle. The aisle, if you will. The aisle. Quite brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I'm with Richard Curtis and his family, mm-hmm. like the, I remember the first time I had dinner with them and I realized that, like, you know, all the dinner scenes he's written yes, in his films? Yes. That's based on, on real life. Yeah. That's what his dinners are like. <laughs> Him and that Emma. makes me so happy. They actually talk like that. That makes me oh, really bonics. happy. <laughs> I love those movies. They have so much. Sorry, warmth. we shouldn't be saying that. Should no, we? no, you should totally be saying that. Speaking uh, of which, we this is absolutely nobody knows what bollocks is here. That's so true. <laughs> that kind of fits. This is our Thanksgiving episode, oh. which is quite apt for quite apt for the movie. It's a bit apt. It's a bit apt, it's if a you bit will. Apt. Uh, and speaking <laughs> of which, quite a bit apt. Yeah. You, you've said that this movie was a, about home. Yes, for you, it's about home for me. And I. Uh, it struck me when I first read that quote from you because another movie that I really loved this year was mm. A Ghost Story, and that kind of mm, deals with yeah. home in its own completely right. different way. Yeah, David Lowry, he that, that was the basis for, for what he was talking about as well, and he made a beautiful zine for A24 about home. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, I, it, it's interesting to me because you know, I read something else you said that you don't think about the core story first. You kind of write and then mm-hmm. – come to the story through writing that's always interesting how a writer does it like do you start with a theme like what you want to say and then write around that or does do you just kind of start shedding pages you know you're going to throw away well to find it to sound quite fancy (laughs) um i'm going to steal this from francis ford coppola who i had the privilege of talking to and he said this thing which completely resonated with me which he said i start with a hunch and I follow my hunch. And that's right. That's what it is. Because I had a sense of home, uh, of wanting to, to, to make something about how home only makes sense to you as you're leaving it. And I knew I wanted it to be in Sacramento because that's my hometown. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had a kind of a hunch of mothers and daughters. But I don't know more than that. I wouldn't be able to pitch anyone on the story. Uh, I find the story as I'm writing. I find the characters as I'm writing. But it really does feel like following some some feeling that you can't totally define and in a in a way that's how you know you're on the right track is when you can't explain it mm-hmm. just yet if you can explain it it's already a little dead right do you think as well that like if you were to start with the entire picture mm-hmm. that it would almost be a bit overwhelming because there's like pressure then to fit it into a certain bracket or yeah. framework and it's like okay it's about this thing so this is the kind of stuff I have to write like it makes yeah. sense that you would start with like you did with yeah. this with the lion or saying yeah I think you're right and I also think sometimes I'm prone to intellectualizing things later but I find that 
as a, my work as an actor and now my, you know, my work as a writer and now a director, intellectualizing it doesn't really help you, mm-hmm. I think, especially when you're in the middle of making it, because that's not how audiences experience it and it's not how people live their lives. Right. I think it's it's helpful to have an intellectual experience of it almost after you've written all of the stuff that will make the movie and then you kind of take your you put your uber mind on and you craft but to get the raw material you, you don't want to be too uh heady about it mm-hmm. because it it doesn't help you and i think what something you said about um not deciding ahead of time who she was or mm, on day one know so who she was like that you every scene to be open to the detail of the moment yeah well, speaking of, you know, Saoirse, I, I'm guessing, but I assume your formative years would have been different than Greta's. No, also, they were the same. They were exactly, exactly the same. same. Exactly yeah. the same. I, I we were raised in the same Turns out. Yeah. When we were both I was also a, a child prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you, you probably know were, and you just wanted to discover that. <laughs> no. Well, just, you know, I'm curious, Saoirse, like, with that in mind, and, and with the caveat that, by the way, this isn't, like, fully autobiographical right. or anything, yeah. did you see yourself in the role quickly, or uh, if so, or if not, wh- how did you take authorship of it over, for yourself? Yeah, I actually did. I saw myself in it instantly, but I didn't know how to play it straight mm-hmm. away. It's so it's such a weird sort of contradiction. But, but you like, felt like it was yours I, right away. I, I did. I not, felt not in a greedy way. Just no, no, no. That sort of like that's a chair. This role is mine. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, you you helped me feel that way for sure. But um, <laughs> Greta found that really funny. <laughs> I literally just cracked myself up so no. much. Uh, just to bear in mind, nobody else is laughing here except for Greta. No, just um, me, and it's that my own joke. Send you all to know. Um, yeah, I think that nobody's actually asked me that question in that way, and I think that's exactly it. That when I read the script. I knew who that person was because even if I wasn't quite as far out as Lady Bird is or was when I was, you know, a, a kid when I was younger, um, I definitely had a bit of that sort of the showmanship and then the girl who's got the self-doubt and the insecurity but is also still very confident in themselves. So, like, I knew what all that was, mm-hmm. but it was it was such a funny thing that, like, on day one, I think with some characters, you you do have a good idea of like where what the journey is. But with this, I realized afterwards that you know this person is figuring themselves out from moment to moment and mm-hmm. scene to scene every time we see her. And I think it was the same experience when I played her. And the whole film, it almost I was thinking about it, it almost feels like a photo album. Like mm. every moment mm. is so defining and it's it's so huge, but it's also very sort of everyday. Mm. And um, and I was very lucky that I had Greta and all the other actors as well, actually, to just move through that with pretty mm-hmm. um, gently and seamlessly. You know, there was no pressure to have like a very fixed idea of who she was right. mm-hmm. from day one. Well, on the page, how how was the character different uh, for you from other characters that you read for? I guess by which I mean as a female character of complexity written by right. a female. Well, how did that kind of strike you differently than anything else you've written on the page? Well, I think page? you've you've just answered it. It's a, it's a female character who's complex. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a young, especially for to read a young girl who's in real life 
when you're a chick and you're like 17 years old, 17, 18, 19, 20, everything is changing. Just like it is for a boy. Like you're at that stage in your life where you don't know who you are. You don't know where you're going. You're very driven, but you don't know what you're heading towards. Like you're really, you spend those few years just figuring all this shit out. And when I remember when I was 17, 18, I had gotten so used to playing these really great, well-written child roles. And then as soon as I became a teenage girl, they just weren't there. I mm. couldn't find them anywhere. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time, really, it was the first time that I had read a teenage girl that had all the complexities of a real teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. boy or girl who who was who was a great friend, but was also drawn towards, you know, the popular kids because she wanted to be liked, but Mm. had her principles, but sort of veered away from them when she felt a little unsure of herself. And like, it's, it was, I mean, all the characters in it are are so well-rounded and you just don't find that very often um, when a teenage girl is at the helm of it, you know? Yeah, and I saw a lot of myself in it, funnily mm, enough. Right. I mean, I, I graduated high school in 99, so mm-hmm. some of the stuff was, was familiar Similar, to me. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I keep joking, like, the Timothy Chalamet character. I'm like, I knew this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I knew this clove-smoking, yeah. waxing, poetic, <laughs> coffee shop dwelling. Like, I knew this guy. I might have tried to be that guy, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but well, the, it's we can all be forgiven yeah, for trying to be yeah. whoever we tried to be. Yeah. I think even Lady Bird tries to be that guy. <laughs> totally. totally. That's totally. why this looks so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. That's one of the things I like love about Lady Bird is the, what a good student she is in terms of like the next time you see her after she's met Kyle, she's got a copy of the People's History of the United yeah. States because she pays attention. <laughs> like that's what he likes. I will now go get that book and also like it. And there's something very it's like a sponge dr- dr- yeah. driven about yeah. that. Yeah. You know, there's there's. It's so great. Like the scene where she's just turned 18. She goes into the store and she's like, I'll have a packet of cigarettes and a scratcher and a playgirl. And (laughs) I remember up until recently, because I think I definitely had a sort of delayed response to being like a young adult. And I remember when I moved to London, I had had, like such anxiety when I would just like go to the supermarket because I was like, okay, this is what normal grown-ups do. And I remember I would walk around in this sort of floaty way and I'd be like, okay, I, I need the eggs. Where are the eggs? Where are the eggs? Where are the eggs? And I'm like panicking in my head, but I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, I, lo- I look normal. And I think you spend so much of like your later teenage years and early 20s pretending to be an adult or like yes. playing the role of an adult. And I think that's yeah. something that she does too. Totally. I totally, it's also oh, the yeah. first time you're at a supermarket, I think, when you're out of your own home. Ugh. There's this also, I had this anxiety of like, I had only ever seen my mom shop for a family of, you know, five. And and so I had like completely incorrect proportions about how much food <laughs> one person needed. Yeah. And it was like, I was like, no, you do not need to buy the economy pack of Cheerios. That's you. It will take you a year to go through that. You can just buy the regular sized Cheerios yeah. and move on from there. But I feel like I, that's, I'm, I'm so interested in, I don't know. And I've always liked, I've always liked uh, younger characters trying on adult morality Mm -hmm. because I feel like they're almost practicing for it. Mm -hmm. I put this in the script Noah and I wrote, Mistress America. We put this in of like some character saying about another character who's also 18, like he was unfaithful to me. (laughs) And it was just, it was like this idea of like, 
who are you doing this for? <laughs> exactly. Right. What is this, what are these adult rules you're imposing on yourself at this moment? It's like, look like, at me, I'm an adult. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's 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 how you learn how to do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how else you imitate it? It's like when you're a kid and like you know when. Uh, a little girl has like the toy telephone and she's pretending to be her mom or mm-hmm. dad. And she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I'll <laughs> yeah, tell them. I know. And they put the phone between their head and their shoulder. Yeah. It's all learned it's behavior. All like what they do. Yeah. I know. I remember talking to someone like, oh, they, he was telling me his earliest memory was at trying to construct a situation in which he could ask his mom, are you sure? Because adults <laughs> have always asked that of each other. Like, are you sure? Yeah. And then, so she was like, what time is it? She'd answer, are you sure? And I was like, quite. But I, do, I, 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 love, I love those moments. I've, I've always been interested in things like, um, we, with children, I used to have a, a, like an idea of what is the very first thing, and nobody remembers this because how could you, but what is the very first thing a child puts in their pocket? Because mm-hmm. it's a moment when you define yourself against your parents in some way because you're like, I need this. For later. I'm going to start looking for this because I have a 17-month-old. Oh, and so I'll be watching for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, and it's usually probably a little like army man or yeah. a little doll or something. But some sense of, the fingernail clippers. I will put Ownership. this in my pocket so I have it. Right. And I love, I don't know, I love mm-hmm. those moments and I love what they say and how how th- this is how we construct our lives. I mean, I'm such a detail picker mm-hmm. as a writer and as a director. I just... I feel like that is what I'm drawn to, these little details that feel both big and small. And one thing I was thinking about the other day, um, just because people always ask about the year, because it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's 2002, 2003. And one thing I was thinking about, and I remember writing this, is the scene where you're getting dropped off at the airport and you're talking to your mom. And one thing she says is, you can't walk up to the gates anymore anyway. Mm-hmm. which changed after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Up until 9-11, you could still go through mm-hmm. security and yeah. walk somebody up to a gate mm-hmm. as long as you went through the metal detector, and that overnight mm-hmm. changed. And it's such a small thing, and it doesn't matter with a capital M, but that is how people experience giant global national yeah. changes is on this personal level of then you c- can't walk up to the gate. And that was a new thing. And I remember <laughs> my best friend when he was a year older than me and he went to college before I did, cause he was older and it was, um, it was the end of August, 2001. And I walked, I went with him early in the morning to go to the flight, to go to his thing. And I walked up to the gate and there's a picture of us sitting by the gate before he got on the plane. Wow. And I was looking at that and I thought, oh, you can't do that anymore. No. And it's not, you know, it's okay. You say goodbye somewhere else. But that, Same but thing having, with arriving. You get come off and you're yeah, right, some, exactly. there waiting for you. Well, in, in love, actually, there's uh, yeah. a whole sequence yeah. of this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which became impossible to do. I don't know. It's just interesting in that, that way of how these things. Well, it is personal, though, it's because personal. even if you think about what she could have done, which is bring your child right to the place where you're going to leave yes. them to yes. go. Yes. The fact that that barrier has been put up now. I mean, even, yeah. I'm sure you do it even when you leave Sacramento still. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's an awful thing mm-hmm. to, like, walk through 
the barriers as you're going through security and you can still see your mum oh, yeah, and totally. she's like so no, far away and she won't leave and you don't <laughs> want her to leave but it's too hard yeah every time every time it gets yeah. me it gets me every time well, it's, I was, yeah it's funny i was going to ask about that like did you have fun with the period? But these details are different. I mean, that, that yeah. becomes like a story mm. detail that to is your a point. Story detail. So like, uh, you know, I think of stuff like I'm, I'm an early nineties geek. So yeah. like yeah. I made a, a film in film school, a short film. And I was like desperate to find like the crystal Pepsi logo. So yeah. Put yeah, it on, yeah, like, yeah. A piece of cellophane mm-hmm. and wrap that around a Dasani bottle. Yeah. So, you know, stuff like that. I don't know yeah, if there's anything course. like that. You were kind of like, definitely. Well, there were things, I mean, in terms of, the design of the movie with um, uh, Chris Jones, who was the production designer, who had actually met on uh, Mike Mills' movie, 20th Century Women. He did the production design for that film, which was set in 1978. And he, he really nailed a time. Mm-hmm. And April Napier, who did the costumes, both of them were so attuned to the time period, even the color palette of the time period. And trying to nail it in a real way and not make every, you know, like sometimes it's like if a movie takes place in 1953, suddenly every car on the street is from 1953 and every song on the radio is from 1953. Mm. And that's just not how time works. Mm. There's always tracers from the earlier times. So I wanted these older songs from the 90s as well as like the very newly released Justin Timberlake track. Got to thank Justin uh, the other night. I'm calling him Justin as if we're best friends. (laughs) Just... Um, Mr. I'm, Timberlake. Mr. Timberlake. I'm so happy that oh that my God. song is in. I know. It's so I didn't good. know. Like it was totally unexpected. And when yeah. I watched, it, I screamed in the cinema. <laughs> Justin's in our film. I know. I know. I I wrote him this letter that was like totally hey, like I was like, dear Mr. Timberlake. <laughs> Crimea River is our generation's give me shelter. It's sultry, it's seductive, it's dangerous, it's snarling. I don't. I was like a. Very, it was like a very nerdy, lots of adjectives. You really like enjoy he, it, but right he and, but, and I got I got to meet him at the governor's ball, and I was like, thank you so much. And he was like, my pleasure. I was like, oh, you're what such a, a prince. I was like, king of pop now. What a gent. prince of pop. What he, do we call him? I met him prince. Yeah, I don't think we have a king of pop. We don't have a king of pop. We don't have a king of pop anymore. But he was so lovely to let us. He seems really nice. Um, But yeah, but I I mean, that time period, nailing that time period. And also, I think so much of that time period was the internet was coming, but it wasn't there yet. So I. you, You didn't have access to everything you have access to now in terms of. Uh. In terms of aggregators of taste, and mm-hmm. that goes for music and movies as well as you know Pinterest boards of design, or you you looked at magazines mm-hmm. and you listened to the radio. You had sort of monoculture in that way of yeah. being able to have one thing that was big, and now everything is niche. Yeah, um, yeah. which you know pluses and minuses on both sides, but mm-hmm. that thing of particularly for the the way the girls dressed and the way the boys dressed of 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 there weren't like a lot of ways to be cool there was one way to be cool and you either were or you weren't mhm totally uh i'm curious also like what kind of this is a weird question, but like, what kind of bonding did you guys do? Like at the start, <laughs> to really kind of get to know each other. Is there some cool story about going to a concert oh. or something? Oh, well, we well, did, we did at, the end. at the end. We went to a concert. We went to a Paul McCartney concert in oh, Sacramento. Wow. In Sacramento, in the new in the new arena, arena downtown. And he opened it. He opened oh. it. Oh. The 
Golden One Arena. The Golden One Arena. <laughs> and he opened it and we full on cried. You went the first night. I went the first night and I came, I came, I went with my, my best, one of my best friends and, um, I couldn't believe it was like Paul McCartney in Sacramento. The whole thing was crazy. And it was at the end of the day of shooting. And I was like, I'm going to be tired. And then as soon as I got there, I was like, oh my God, Paul McCartney. It was the day that Laurie and I did our scene in the car. That's right. The day we did like the opening scene Uh, in the car. And she like legged it. It was like, that was great. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go see Paul McCartney. So then the next night, so I came to set the next morning and I was like, y'all, Paul McCartney was like amazing. And then our producer, Eli Bush, Somehow, somehow we don't know how. I don't know how. Within like, was like ten minutes, hold on, let me make a call. He was like, "I have ten tickets," and a bunch of them went, and and they amazing. loved it again. But I think at the beginning, well, I cast like Sersh was in the movie about, almost a year before we started shooting. Like I knew it was her, and she knew it was her, and and she was working on a lot of stuff. She was doing the press for Brooklyn, and then she did the Crucible on Broadway. But I started gathering the cast in the meantime, and I did things like mainly like hangout sessions. Like there was a time when Lori Metcalf was in New York mm-hmm. and Beanie was there and Lucas was there, and I sort of had everybody just come to my apartment and eat snacks. And we did do some rehearsal, but it wasn't really about rehearsal. It was mostly just to get people together. And I took Lucas to go see Sersha on Broadway in The Crucible, and he was so cute and so sweet and he'd never seen it before and he was shocked he didn't know what the he crucible was about he are you serious yeah. he was like he, he, he went to like drama school he'd never he'd never read it he'd never That's seen funny. it yeah. and he I remember when there's like the time when he has to write on all the commandments yeah, yeah. all the commandments and yeah. Lucas was sitting next to me and he was like no, he forgot adultery. <laughs> and I was like, adultery, you're John. Right. You're right, Lucas. That was my Sophia Canado impression. Um, but anyway, but so we did all these these things, and then when he, he went to my art school, by the way, in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. yeah. But then when I mean, for me, when I think about it, and you can answer it, yeah. For me, the thing that was really bonding was not any specific rehearsal, but. When Lucas and Beanie and Sersha and uh, Laura Marano and a bunch of other the kids who were in the musical, yeah. we made the musical and mm-hmm. we did it in rehearsal and we had to they had to learn the songs and learn the choreography and we actually made four whole numbers and blocked it and everything and there's nothing that bonds you faster than no. like especially a, a dance of, I think especially when dance. you've got to look like absolute idiots in front of each other <laughs> yeah because you're just like I don't know what I'm doing and you're working with a choreographer yeah nothing bonds you quicker a couple of well-placed box steps will get you pretty far <laughs> totally well uh you know the point to be made as I said is that this isn't strictly autobiographical mm-hmm. are, are you surprised that people are assuming this is your story did you expect that no. or anything like no I mean in a way I I feel like that's always been the case with like both my writing and my acting is I think people go straight to, well, this happened to you. And I, I mm-hmm. knew that from Francis Han, Mistress America, neither of those characters whom I have not, you know, I'm not a modern dancer. I've never been one. I've never tried to open a restaurant, you know, like Brooke <laughs> she, and she wishes. I wish, <laughs> but, um, you know, and I'm from Sacramento mm-hmm. and, you know, but I think it doesn't bother me because I don't, as far as I can tell, it doesn't interfere with people bringing themselves to the movie. And like you were saying, you feel like you related to it. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing I really care about. So whether or not people think it's me or not me, it, it, as long as it doesn't stop them from opening their hearts to it and bringing Mm -hmm. their experience to it, that's the only thing that matters. It's pretty amazing though, that like, 
with everything you've released, people assume that it's you. But I think, because I was just going to ask you, why do you think it is? But it seems, I mean, I think it's a testament to the writing because it just, like even with Francis Hart, like I was watching like a creeper because I was going to send it to someone, (laughs) the clip of you where you're talking about your person and you're at the party and you're like, this this just looks like a girl who's coming up with this on the spot, you know? And it's funny it makes sense that people would assume that it's always based on mm-hmm. you or your experience. I think just because it seems so real. Yeah. It's the yeah. same with Ladybird. That's what it is. I think people, yeah. they, they sense it's something real that they haven't seen before. Right. Well, I always care. And I'd that say, combination makes them think it's you. I say this thing, but it, it's true. It's like, even if something is not literally true, that it rhymes with the mm. truth. Right. And that is the thing that I think you're always going for. And... And I don't know, I'm always inspired by, I mean, for me, the, you know, great filmmakers are personal filmmakers. And I don't mean that as personally it happened to them, but personal as in it's so close to, to, to something in their heart or in their marrow. Mm-hmm. And I think about, you know, and, and that can be true, that can be true of something fantastical and it can be true of something totally grounded. I mean, I think of Bunuel as a personal filmmaker, mm-hmm. even though it's not Even though literal. he's slicing eyeballs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But that's personal yeah. for him yeah, somehow. Sure. And I always think of Wes, um, actually, who you've worked with. The objects in his film are emotional. Right. Yeah. They are not just objects. He puts emotion into them. Mm-hmm. So when he... It makes an object and places something in a frame, it is as emotional as, you know, a still life by Cezanne. It, it just because it's of peaches doesn't mean that his emotional life isn't in it. And right. I think that that's always the thing you're looking for, whether you're using the clay of your own life or something from your dreams or something that's just in front of you. If you're in it, that's what people are connecting to. Mm-hmm. Now, can we talk about Tracy Letts and yes. Laurie Metcalf as yes. well? Yes. These two, uh, I mean, look, half the job is casting, right? Getting yes. the right person in the role, and these two are amazing. I know. I mean, I I think that I, I, Laurie and Tracy are both from the Midwest, and they're both Chicago actors, and in, in, in Tracy's case, writer, um, that they – that, you know, Laurie is a founding member of Steppenwolf, and Tracy is – both acts at Steppenwolf and most of his plays come out of St- Steppenwolf and he workshops them there, there and starts them there. And um, they've never worked together though. And they've known each other mm-hmm. for 30 years, but they've never worked together. And I just, both of them, I have such utmost respect for as artists. And I, I just can't say enough <laughs> how much I love them. They're just so they're so great at what they do. They're so humble. They're so workmanlike, you know. And and also in this way, which was just luck. I knew they were great, great artists. But then once they were with Sersh and and really the whole cast, but just the dynamic between Laurie and Tracy and Sersha is they're they're all cut from the same cloth in terms of only caring about the work. That's just, and it's true of everyone in the cast, but to have that family feel like there was some deeper, they, like, spiritual connection between yeah. you guys where you're like... I, I really felt that with Tracy and Laurie. And also, like, I think because of where they come from, how they started, they're real grafters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that 
I definitely can connect to too. Mm -hmm. I just felt like they come in, they do the work, they're there for the work, nothing else matters. They're great. They don't take it. I mean, it's important, but they don't take it too seriously. seriously. Well, they don't let it inflate their sense of self. No. They take it very seriously because they respect the craft. Yeah. But they don't take it as an opportunity to puff their chests up. Mm -hmm. And somebody said this, Risa Fons actually said this to me. He described himself as a factory floor actor. Mm. He said, I come in, I know my lines, I work hard, I'm president, and then I go to the pub. (laughs) (laughs) But there's something about, I feel like, Midwestern actors, stage actors, Sersha has this quality of just, just, just work at it. Is it almost just, do you almost want to say blue collar or something in some sense? It's not even, yeah, but it. Because you're, you know. I don't know. Like, I mean, like a lot of Celtic actors are like that. A lot of the Welsh actors, Scottish, Irish, you know, Northern English they're very much, they're like, we turn up, we do our job, we'll know our lines, yeah. exactly what yeah. Ray said. <laughs> and I wonder if it does, you don't want to make it a class thing at all, you yeah. really don't. But I, I think, certainly for me personally, having two parents that worked bloody hard like their yeah. whole lives, yeah. that instills a certain work ethic in you, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So I don't know if that's just like a common and I wonder, I mean, like, I, my sense is that that kind of work and that kind of um, hu- humility or, you know, mm. the humble in the face of the task, it, because nobody's putting on airs or being fancy about it, because there is a, a workmanlike approach to it, it allows for art and mm-hmm. it allows for transcendence because it is so... Mm, because it's so unassuming. Mm-hmm. But but I find that's yeah. true of like writing too. You know, you just get in there and you work on it every day. And you know what it is? You don't want to get in the way of your own work and yeah. everyone else's work. That's another thing is that some yeah. people can come in and they get very emotional and take it, take on too much and make it too heavy. And I think these kind of actors and writers and directors that we're talking about, they don't get in the way of it. They're like, yeah. I've come in with everything I need, I all the information I need, and I'm going to keep this pathway clear. Yeah. yeah. You know? No, it's so funny. I was actually, because I saw, so I saw Paul McCartney in, in not to, to bring, keep bringing it back to Paul. I'm just trying to forge a relationship with my friends. Paul, Paul, go see Lady Bird. Paul, go see Lady Is this Bird. how you get Justin Timberlake's song and uh, yeah. just kept talking about I him start, on the last I, movie I started laying these things very <laughs> early. Um, but I remember when I saw him in Sacramento and then I saw him again in New York, um, actually at the end of my edit, um, which was just wild to see him again. Because it felt like my entire year was framed by Paul McCartney, but I had this deep sense. And I had it. I had it both times I saw him play. I felt so grateful to him that he never closed the channel off that mm-hmm. allowed him to write music. Right. Like he never. What you're saying, he never got in the way of it. Yeah. And it's like he let these songs continue to come through him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know he wrote them, but he also got out of the way yeah. mm-hmm. and let them come through him. And I think. That's 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 what it's like I look back to what for you were saying at the beginning and, here, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Just kind of let it flow. And also yeah. my burgeoning friendship with Paul. <laughs> Indeed, McCartney. <laughs> well, at the end, Sir Paul McCartney. <laughs> pa- pa- Paul, Polly boy, Polly. I think it's gonna work. Polly Mac. What if we just keep doing? He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna do a song for your next movie. I feel it. I know his daughter Mary. Ah, oh, she's I'm the so best. Jealous. She's so nice. Uh, so good. So good. She looks so much like. Her. How'd you meet her? She's a photographer. 
Oh, okay. Really good photographer, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, at the end here, and this isn't something I want to belabor, oh, but yeah. I've been covering this business in this awards circuit for 15 years now, and mm-hmm. it's never felt like it does this year because of mm-hmm. an obvious shadow over the industry. Mm-hmm. So just with that in mind and mm-hmm. these sexual harassment scandals going on, I just want to know your perspective in terms of what the atmosphere feels like. You're out there every day on the circuit. What kind of conversations are being had in as much as you can tell? Well, the thing that for, for me that I think it was a conversation that was already going on starting in the you know the earlier part of the year in the summer is this this feeling of all the, all these really amazing female filmmakers who are who are starting to that suddenly people started calling it the year of the woman and stuff, which was great. I was like, I feel like we could call we, every year could be <laughs> the year of of a woman. We yeah. don't we need to just pick one, not just mm-hmm. one, but um, you know, in terms of. For me, the context that I've been able to, to, to meet people and talk to people, it's like between Patty Jenkins and Sofia Coppola, who, you know, won Best Director at Cannes, and, um, and Maggie Betts, who made Novitiate, and, oh, Catherine Bigelow, who made Detroit, and uh, Angelina Jolie with First They Killed My Father, and, uh, like, the number of women who are making really interesting films. And I feel like, from my perspective... The desire to shine a spotlight on on them and and us and uh, women producers and directors and filmmakers and executives, that's where it seems to be right now. And that's a conversation I think I'm interested in having and interested in in seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's 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 yeah. the thing I'm heartened by in the midst of all of it. Yeah. Uh- Again, this is our Thanksgiving episode. Yes. So let's end on a super cheesy note. Okay. What are you thankful for? <gasps> oh, my, oh my God. God. <laughs> what are you thankful for? I'm thankful. Um, Thanksgiving is not quite, for you, is not as much of a thing. Yeah, I know, right? American. That's kind of an awkward an question American, for you. Sort of. I'm thankful for Veep. Oh, so I'm really thankful. thankful for Julia Louis-Dreyfus. So thankful for her. Um, I'm really I thankful have, for these trainers that we have. I know. They've we got ladybirds on them. We have matching sneakers yeah. that Serge bought me a pair so I could match her. Yeah. I'm very grateful for that. Listen, I'm thankful <laughs> for so much. I'm thankful that this movie got made. I'm thankful yeah. for my beautiful cast. I'm thankful for John Bryan for writing gorgeous music. I'm thankful for Sam Levy for shooting it. I'm grateful to my editor, Nick Huey. I mean, like, every single person who made this movie... From Dana, our gorgeous PA, <laughs> on up and on down, everybody. I, like, I just, I, I couldn't be more grateful, and um, and that it feels like a lot to be grateful, thankful for right now. And I'm also thankful that my parents are coming to New York to help me make Thanksgiving, Yay. and my dad is going to make this stuffing that I love so much. It's got olives in it, which is always a surprise. Olives. I know. Wow. You don't see it coming, and wow. then you can't get enough. It's my favorite thing in the world. Does he put cranberries in it, too? No, cranberries are a separate thing. My mom does cranberries. Yeah, so, cranberries But so that, mm, he makes some stuffing that's just mm. like We had some weird ones best. in the South. My, my grandmother put uh, boiled eggs into hers. Boiled that's eggs. Strange. It works. It yeah. works. It weirdly works. Really? Yes. I like in it. In stuffing. Yes. And it's like it's baked in the oven as oh opposed to gosh. like, you know, so yeah. tough kind of a deal. Anyway. Yeah. So good. Everybody hopefully listening to this podcast after they ate. I'm thankful for stuffing. Oh, well, me too. <laughs> Actually. I'm thankful I don't have a gluten allergy. Yeah. That's going a big one. Oh, my God. Thanksgiving or dairy 
I'm thankful we got to see Paul McCartney last year. Yeah, me too. Yeah. We should totally end on Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. Paul. Paul Serbo. The movie is Lady Bird. You should go check it out right now after you finish your turkey and whatever. Saoirse Ronan and Greta Gerwig and listen to Paul McCartney. Thank you for coming on the show. (laughs) Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like New York, or at least Connecticut or New Hampshire, where writers live in the woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. Lady Bird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Lady Bird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks. What you do is very baller. It's very anarchist. Put the magazine back! <laughs> she has a big heart, your mom. She's warm, but she's also kind of scary. You can't be scary and warm. I think you can. Your mom is. No, you're not interested in any Catholic colleges. No way. I want schools like Yale, but not Yale because I probably couldn't get in. (laughs) You definitely couldn't get in. Does mom hate me? If you're tired, we can sit down. I'm not tired. You were dragging your feet. You are so infuriated. Stop yelling. I'm not yelling. Oh, it's perfect. Do you love it? You both have such strong personalities. When is a normal time to have sex? You're having sex. I'm ready. Just wanted it to be special. Why? You're gonna have so much unspecial sex in your life. Ah! We're afraid that we will never escape our past. Whatever we give you, it's never enough. It's never enough. It is enough. We're afraid of what the future will bring. We're afraid we won't be loved. You can't do anything unless you're the center of attention. We won't be liked. Yeah, well, you know your mom's tits, they're totally fake. She made one bad decision in 19. Two bad decisions. And we won't succeed. I want you to be the very best version of yourself that you can be. What if this is the best version? What I'd really like is to be on Math Olympiad. But math isn't something you're terribly strong in. That we know of yet.